Okay. Good day, everyone. Good evening. Uh, today, uh, there's a commemoration in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, in memory and in honor of the 11 Jews that were killed in the massacre at the Tree of Life Synagogue, and also in the recognition of the noble work of the Pittsburgh Clever Kedisha in making all of the necessary arrangements for proper burials and for the honor of the deceased. So uh, the words of Torah uh, this, this evening are also intended to be li'ilui nishmaus, those holy people who gave their lives simply because they were Jewish. This week's Parsha uh, contains the story of the destruction of Zdom and Amora, Admo Utsvoyim. These are four major cities uh, that uh, were uh, in the area of what is today the Dead Sea, the Arava, uh, that were destroyed by fire from heaven, earthquake, uh, volcano. And they were noted for their wickedness. It wasn't that only that there are wicked people. Unfortunately, that almost always exists. There are Rishoyim in the world. That's because of free choice. Person can be a Tzaddik or he can be a Russia. But the this was institutionalized rishus, which we have had in our time as well. Germany, the Soviet Union, communist China, North Korea, that's institutionalized cruelty. That's when cruelty becomes the norm and not merely exceptions to behavior. And uh, we know from the Midrash and from the Talmud, there were all sorts of laws. This was all legal, because many times uh, cruelty is legal. It's backed up by law. We say uh, in Tehillim, Yotzer Omol Alechok, evil is created legally by law. So discriminatory laws can be passed. Laws that harm people can be uh, uh, passed and executed. So institutionalized cruelty is really the worst of all cruelties because it affects the norm of human behavior and it desensitizes human beings to cruelty. So if the law is you're not allowed to have guests in your home, then the, the idea of 
hospitality, care for others, social interaction, all disappears. Because then being good is illegal. And being cruel and bad, that's legal. And uh, therefore, uh, the Torah and uh, certainly our rabbis of the Talmud and later generations always were wary of legislatures, of passing laws. I've mentioned many times that laws always have unintended consequences. And usually the unintended consequences are negative. Some things are left better off without laws. I saw a statistic that here in Israel, uh, 70% of all laws passed by the Knesset are not enforced. Simply because of all the laws passed by the Knesset would be enforced, life would be unbearable here. So in their wisdom, the police, the Ministry of Justice, the executive, they ignore it. And life seems to go on fairly well. But uh, when evil is legislated, when evil oppression is legalized, when government can force you to do things, so then we're always in for trouble. And Zdom and Amora were guilty of that. Zdom and Amora were places of legalized cruelty. No guests, no charity, no care for others. Only the government and the area itself were important. We had another example of this in the Dora Mabu, in the generation, I'm sorry, the Dora Floga, the generation that built the Tower of Bovel. So over there we have the Rashi quotes the famous Medrash, that if a human being fell from the scaffold, they said, oh, we have another one to replace him. But if a stone or a brick fell, they said, oh boy, now we have to, Look at all the effort we have to go through to replace it. That's institutionalized cruelty. Human beings don't mean anything. They're all replaceable. And uh, we have lived through uh, centuries, unfortunately, where uh, millions, tens of millions of people were done to death because institutionalized cruelty reigned. So that is the backdrop that we have to look at why Zdom Amoro Admod Svayim were destroyed. They were destroyed because such societies prevent any human advancement in civilization and to a great extent, they are self-destructive because eventually the destroyers are themselves destroyed by their own mechanisms. 
and we are witness to that too. Uh, all the revolutions had counter-revolutions. All the purges came back to execute the purgers. The heads of the uh, Soviet secret police and all the cruel people. You go to others that headed it. They themselves ended up barrier. They themselves ended up being executed because uh, such behavior devours everyone. So this is our understanding of Zdom and Amora. Evil, legalized, legislated, enforced, and becomes societal and acceptable to the extent that anyone that deviates from this is immediately to be punished and with excruciating punishments. The, the story begins in the Chumash, in this week's Parsha, a very uh, difficult and strange uh, statement. Kaviochel the Rabboni Shalolam, we are, uh, so to speak, allowed uh, somehow to read God's mind, so to speak. And uh, the Chumash says, Amachase ani me'avroam asher ani Am I going to cover over, hide from Avraham what I intend to do with Zdom and Amora? What does that mean? Why is God obligated? What I mean, what does that mean? And then he says, Avraham Avraham is going to be a great nation and the Jewish people are going to come from him and it's going to be civilization. So I have to tell him what I'm going to do. Why does God have to tell him what he's going to do? Heaven, if anything, throughout history is inscrutable. The Lord does not tell us often in advance unless through prophecy. <clears throat> and uh, prophecy is a rare thing. And oftentimes we have to wait for the event to occur to understand what the prophet told us was going to occur. So how do we understand this? And what's the connection with the fact that Avram is going to be a great person and the progenitor of a great nation and that all of civilization will be blessed and created by him? So the Mepharshim explained to us a very, very uh, fundamental idea. The Rambam says that the main mitzvah in the Torah is to know God, Das, Deus Hashem. 
he doesn't emphasize uh, emuna. There are two psukim uh, that Gemara brings. One is the one that we all uh, know and subscribe to. Tzadik bemunoso yichye. We live by faith. We all understand that. But there's another posseg b'chol drochav do'eyu. Know the Rabboni Shalom. The Rambam says that's the main posseg. The main task and verse is to know God. To know it intellectually, rationally, emotionally, to know it. And we know that uh, knowing uh, encompasses many areas of life. People say, uh, do you know so-and-so? Well, you know, it means that maybe I met him once. But uh, when we say, do you know someone? We want a recommendation. We want an assessment. So then knowing means a different thing completely. You really know him. Is he trustworthy? Is he a good person? Should I allow my daughter to marry his son? So we have to know God. How can you know God? How can the created know the creator? How can the temporary and mundane know the eternal and effable God? So in order for that to happen, so to speak, God has to cooperate. He has to help us know him. He has to help us understand, generally at least, how the world works. What does he want from us? He has to help us make sense of a world that oftentimes looks to be completely at random. So, if Stom and Amora, Adma and Tzvayim, let's say are destroyed by a natural disaster. You know, we've had natural disasters. Uh, they're part of our existence. A great tsunami overwhelmed the uh, parts of Asia not, uh, a few years ago. We felt sorry that it happened, but what were we supposed to learn from it? So it was simply put, uh, don't build your house next to the seashore. But that's not the lesson. Obviously there must be another lesson but somehow we're not privy to those lessons. They don't register on us. The people in Asia didn't change their behavior. And we see that with every natural disaster that occurs. Hurricanes, floods, droughts, So we view all of that as part of nature. Well, that's not, you know, it's supposed to happen. So what? What's it got to do with me? 
even the attitude towards this uh, coronavirus plague that we are uh, experiencing. Is that uh, the world views it as a natural thing. It's part of nature. There's nothing to be learned from it spiritually, morally. Just out of getting vaccine and keep on going. But uh, that's not the Torah's view of the matter. So when the Torah says, means I'm going to tell him why it happened. Because Avram is going to be a great messenger to spread the word of God throughout the world. So he has to understand not only what happens, but why it happens. And therefore, it's institutionalized cruelty. Avram has to understand that institutionalized cruelty will destroy everything. And therefore, it has to be opposed. And Avram has to stand up for it. So that's one aspect of the story here. That Avram, because he's going to be the father of many nations, and he's going to be the one that creates civilizations, and he's the father of the Jewish people, has to know God. And God is telling him, this is how you know me. Don't think that things happen at random. Don't think that everything is natural. Try to understand not only what happens and how to combat what happens, but why it happened. What is the motive? That's a difficult thing, very difficult thing. But it's something that the rabbis throughout the centuries of Jewish life have attempted to unravel before us, to make us see that behind the curtain, there are many great things that cause what happens to happen. There's a second uh, point here in the story of Zdom and Amora. Avram Avinu uh, is not out for revenge. Uh, it says in the Posset, Yitamu Chatoyim in Oretz. Let sins be uh, dissipated, don't exist anymore. So uh, Bruria, the wife of Reb Meir, Darshan, Mora quotes her, Yitamu chatoim nemar, chotim lo nemar. 
We want sins to disappear, not necessarily sinners. Sinners are human beings. All of us are basically sinners. No perfect people. And therefore, within the, every human being, there is a spark of holiness and godliness and eternity, even among sinners. The Gemara says that uh, even the sinners of the Jewish people are Malayim Mitzvos Karimon. They have, they're full of good things, even though generally he may be considered a sinner. And we find in Tanakh, the worst of the idolaters' kings somehow did good things also. The Gemara says, uh, Izevel, the wicked queen of Achav, so uh, she died, her body was consumed by wild dogs, except for her feet and her hands. So the Gemara says the reason that her feet and hands survived and came to burial is because she would attend weddings and clap and dance in honor of the bride and groom. Well, uh, that's a remarkable uh, view of life. Here you have the evil queen, Jezebel, can't be worse than her. She did a few good things. She danced at weddings. She was nice to the bride. She tried to make them happy on their wedding night. Heaven records everything. And therefore, even among sinners, there may be redemptive features. And even in a community of institutionalized cruelty, it could very well be that not everybody is like that. Publicly, they can't say anything, but privately, they, they're not, not in favor of that cruelty. And that's what Avraham appeals to Hashem. City of millions, okay. But maybe there's 50 people that are good. 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Everybody's bad. You got to destroy everybody. There's a limit, there's a core, a uh, tipping point, 10. You need 10 good people. 10 good people can save a community, even if the community is millions. I always say that uh, the Zdom and Amora were not destroyed because of their millions of evil people. They were destroyed because they didn't have 10 good people. 
Our job is to be a good person. That's how we save a community. Hi, everybody else. So many times we can't help everyone else. We can't rebel against governments. We can't ignore legislation. But I can always be a good person. I don't have to be an evil person. And if there are 10 people like that, so then life can continue. Society can advance. Civilization eventually will improve. So Avraham, in knowing God, knows that in God's eyes, so to speak, in heaven's eyes, 10 good people, that's all it takes. That's why we had 10 people are a minyan. That's why 10 is the number by us. Because that's the critical mass. That's the tipping point. That's what makes us special. In the long run of Jewish history, there have been many ups and downs. The Novier Leo complains that there only were 7,000 who did not bow to the idol and did not kiss it. Wow. That's really a low point. But since there were those 7,000, the people continued. The Jewish people survived. So we live in a democracy, you know, where... Uh, 51% rules, 50.1% rules. But that's not the way the world works. That's not knowing God. The world can be 99.1% evil, but 0.9% good and survive because there are good people. And that's why it says, Avram is going to produce good people. Good people will prevent Zdom from occurring again. Zdom didn't have 10, but we're always going to have 10. We're always going to have good people. And our task is to educate our children and grandchildren to be good. It's uh, as simple and as difficult as that. That's our job. In Yiddish, they used to say, there's a good to read. He's a good Jew. What's a good Jew? It means he's a good person. He's not evil. So he can live in a society of evil, as the Jewish people did throughout the Middle Ages and in the modern era. But we survived and even prospered because we always had good people. And those are our heroes. Our heroes are the good people. So uh, they, uh, I would say, uh, venture to say that uh, 
in Jewish schools, very few of the students know anything about the czars or even modern times about Lenin and Stalin and Brezhnev. They're all in the ash heap of history. But we all know about the Gaon of Vilna and the Baal Shem Tov and the Kotzka Rebbe and, and, and uh, the Chofetz Chaim and the Ponevizhorov and Rav Shach. And we know all of these people, Rav Cook. Because those are our heroes. Good people are our heroes. And good people last. They have the quality that it lasts. I once, there's a fruit store here that, uh, that I'm a customer of and for many, many years. And the old man was still alive. And he used to... Uh, he used to pick the fruit for me because I can't tell uh, ripe, not ripe, good, bad. And he would say, this is good. So I would say to him, what makes it good? He said, you'll see, it'll last a whole week. So his definition of good made an impression on me. Good means not just good now that I'm going to eat it, but that Five days later, I can eat it and it still be good. The same thing is true of people. It's a lasting goodness. And then the uh, final point that I want to discuss with you is uh, Lot. Lot escapes and lives in Zdome. He uh, left the house of Avram Avinu. That's not his way of life. He's more modern. He doesn't have to have all of those observances. And uh, he doesn't want to be bothered by uh, all of the collectors and the charitable institutions. He doesn't want to be harried by it. He wants... Uh, it's like uh, he wants to retire and have his own villa, not be bothered, live out his life in peace. So he comes to Stone. And he's an impressive person. Stone always needs impressive people to be the cover for institutionalized cruelty. The Soviet Union needed Maxim Gorky. Communist China needs Confucius. Hitler needed Goethe and Schiller. You always have to have front people. So Loth becomes a front person for Zdome. They give him a, a post, a judicial post. He's well-respected, he's wealthy, he's living the life. And 
The problem with Lot is that he was raised in the house of Avram Avinu. And so that piece of conscience that is within him gnaws at him, doesn't give him peace. He remembers matzahs on Pesach, so he bakes matzahs too, even though he doesn't believe in anything. And when strangers come to town, some impulse within him makes him go against his own institutionalized cruelty. And he invites them to the house. And now he is caught in the vice. All of the time he was in stone, he was not the nephew of Roma Vino. He had nothing to do with the old man. He's not interested in it. He changed his name. He changed his nose. He doesn't need the whole thing. And now, all of a sudden, he can't help himself. And he takes these three strangers in. And that becomes his undoing. But it also becomes his salvation. Zdom immediately rejects him, as they always do. The Jew can't be German enough, can't be progressive enough, can't be conservative enough. He can never be enough. And when push comes to shove, he remains the Jew. Alfred Dreyfus never knew what hit him. He's a, an Alsatian-born Jew who never had any Jewish observances, is an officer in the French army, as loyal as could be. And look what happened to him. And what the irony is, after it happened to him, he goes back in the army and he serves in the French army in the First World War to prove what a loyal Frenchman he was. The Jews have a great tendency not to get it, not to really understand what's happening. So Lot is a victim of the fact that he was raised in the house of Avram Avinu. That somehow he liked herring and gefilte fish or whatever. And that gets the better of him. And he's therefore ejected from his society. Only the angels save him from him being lynched. So in the morning, he's a judge and respected. In the evening, they're going to lynch him.
and in the merit of his uncle Avram, whom he has rejected and fled from, he is saved from the destruction of Zdom. But he is warned not to look at it, not to turn back and see it. He's not worthy of seeing Zdom destroyed because he should be destroyed with them. Poor Lot couldn't gather around him nine other people to be good. And Zdom and Amor are destroyed. And then Lot himself is destroyed. He has incest with his daughters. He ends up a pariah in all societies. A tremendous punishment. But all the punishments uh, of life, we don't understand why they happen. But in the end, when everything will be explained to us, we'll see that we cause most of the troubles to ourselves. You know, Pogo said, uh, we have met the enemy, and they are us. There's a lot of wisdom in that. So all of this is encompassed in the story of Zdom and Amora. Avram's part in it, Lot's part in it, Kaviochel Heaven's part in it. On all of it is to help us know God. To be able to discern some sort of pattern in human history and life. And if we are able to do that, then it can help us make correct and important decisions, help us in our faith, help us in our well-being, and in our relationship one to another and to the creator as well. So I want to thank you again all for listening and have a Shabbat Shalom. And everyone should be well and we should hear good news one from another. Call to Selah.